like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. And on today's edition of the show, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, going to join us from Puerto Rico. I hope we don't get a uh, collect call charge, but you know what? Not my problem if we do. Um, doesn't matter. Wait, isn't Puerto Rico part of the United States? Is it? I don't know Sounds how that like works. U.S. territory. Okay, then we're fine. Then we Nothing should be good, right? About. No trouble to be had. <laughs> uh, we're going to be joined by him coming up at about 325 here. We got two RCST trivia matchups today. We have Andy Kotelnik audio. We have other KU football audio. We got a game we're going to play. We got Jayhawk Rewind. It's going to be a fun show, uh, but I want to get right into it because we don't have a ton of time here, but uh, I want to both recap the KU Puerto Rico first game and also KU has a new player. Johnny Furphy. Yeah. Yesterday Come on afternoon. down. Is it Furphy or Furphy? I guess it could be Furphy. I've been saying Furphy the Is whole it time. Furphy? Uh, well, it's, it's spelled Furphy. No, it's spelled with an H, right? No, it's spelled like, wait, what do you mean? It's, uh, yeah, it's F-U-R-P-H-Y. Oh, so it would be. I mean, it's Furphy. possible it's Furphy. I, I don't know. In, in Australia, like things should be different with the pronunciations. I've just True, been going yeah. by Furphy. Okay. Either way, it's a fun name. Uh, gives me, it makes me think of Furbies, you know? Furbies are cool. Remember Furbies? Yeah. Um, there's also yeah. some Pokemon. There's one called like a fan. I always, okay, the thing about Furbies is my older sister had Furbies. Uh-huh. I thought they were creepy. Oh, I agree. I mean, late like, at night, terrifying. the thing opens its eyes at you. Yeah, I do not. Yeah. Eyes no. dart around. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm throwing that thing through a window. Yes. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm out on that, too. Nonetheless, uh, Johnny Furphy, I'm in on, unlike Furbies. He is a six foot seven wing from Australia. He was uh, kind of a late riser in the recruitment game. Originally classed to 2023 recruit. The recruiting was going slow, so he reclassed to 2024. And then it picked back up after he had an awesome event at the, uh, I think it was the NBA Academy Games. He averaged like 15 points, seven rebounds. Yeah, he's in whatever... Australian league they have. Mm-hmm. I think he shot 35% from three. And then all these big schools started calling. Now, some big schools were like, please stay in the class of 2024. We don't have room for you this year. Kansas was like, please, we need another body this year, and we want you to just come now. So that was yeah. the decision he had to go through of, do I wait around or what do I do? Ended up deciding to pick KU. Obviously, he didn't play in the Puerto Rico game today. I don't know if the idea is to get him out there. I don't I don't think he'd be able to in time. I would, I would assume so. I mean, because like, first of all, Think about the logistics of that of that travel. I mean, Australia is like 15 hours ahead. Of, but is he already in the U.S.? I don't think so. Okay. I think so he's I, still I in don't Australia. know the answer to that. Um, if he is already in the U.S., then maybe it becomes more of a doable thing. I wouldn't like, imagine. Like, I don't know. Even if he did, even if they were like, tomorrow we're flying him out there, I don't think he'd play in any of the games. No. He'd just no. want to be around the team, practice. Because, I mean, think about that stuff. travel turnaround. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. An interesting part, though, from an NIL perspective, you can only get, if you're an international player, you can only get your NIL money while you're overseas. So, okay, you might need to get him over. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I remember that because of uh, the Oscar Sheepway stuff. Right. 
Um, he had to go to the Dominican Republic. But this is a very athletic player. You watch some of his highlights. He is dunking on people. Yeah. When I think of just Australian basketball in general, I think of high field game with um, a very tough I don't know, like toughness about them. Like I think of some of the best Australian players who have come over. Think about all the St. Mary's players who are consistently like, I don't know, they're tough. They're smart players, high basketball IQ. Matthew Della Vadova, uh, Joe Ingles, tough, good feel for the game. Dude, I hated Matthew Della Vadova. <laughs> well, he, and now you might have one possibly. Uh, you, you think back to uh, uh, Josh Giddy, who's like this high feel, good passer, high IQ basketball player. Like just these tough players. Seems like he'll fit in well with what Bill Self wants when you add the athleticism and the defense. I saw some yeah. people calling him the Australian Christian Brown. <laughs> um, so, you know, if that's what you're going to get, then you're more than happy with it. Yeah, and this is a situation where when you look at KU's roster and the fact they only had 10 scholarship players, but where where was their position of most significant need? The wing position, yes. basically. Because you have Kevin McCuller, and then with no more Chris Johnson, with no more Marcus Adams, you have basically... Kevin McCuller, and then KJ Adams, but KJ Adams isn't going to play three; he's going to play four. And then Jamar McDowell, and that's kind of your that's kind of it for your wing depth, unless you wanted to go small and play a lineup of like El Marco at the three or Arterio at the three or something like that, right? So that that wing spot is the, was the one position where you did have some serious questions because you're absolutely loaded at the guard spot. I mean, you've got four guards that are really really high level players with Dewan El Marco, Nick Timberlake, and Arterio. You have Hunter Dickinson, obviously, uh, and then behind him you have Parker Brown and Zach Clements is redshirting for the time being, but it sounds like he was kind of going off in Puerto Rico, so yes. I'm not really sure what to make of that. So this was the one area of your biggest need that was limited by the fact of you only have 10 scholarship players was this wing spot. And so this makes the most sense, right? I mean, we we talked about it. There was the, there was the, the grad transfer from Alabama that entered the portal like back in June that kind of was like, okay, maybe the fit makes sense, at least from a position of need. But then you got Kevin McCuller back, so it's like, okay, well, you need basically a, a maybe a developmental player or a player who is okay with playing a, a small role on this team because you have Kevin McCuller now. And so this makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense from Johnny Furphy's standpoint, Furphy's standpoint uh, as a young player who's going to have a chance to come to the U.S. and play for Bill Self in a system in where he's not going to be asked to to do a lot of heavy lifting, right? Yeah. He can kind of just be more of a sponge and learn more, and there's not there's not going to be a lot of pressure on him to necessarily perform at a very, very high level right away. Uh, and it makes perfect sense for Kansas because now you do have another body at that wing position to where you can feel more comfortable if you, you, know, if you wanted to continue to play a lineup with with KJ Adams and Hunter Dixon on the floor, but you wanted to, you didn't want to lose too much size, so you didn't want to run the three, you didn't want to run three small guards out there. Now you maybe have a chance to run something like this, uh, so this type of lineup. So I think it's kind of a win-win for all parties involved here. It's a great get for Kansas, uh, and, and again, with sometimes with things like this, man, it it's just very hard to explain when you have uh, like a coach or even players. I think this happens for too, where they're just transcendent in terms of how good they are. Things just somehow fall into place for them. It doesn't make any sense, but somehow the world just falls into place. And that, I think, is what happened here with Bill Self, right? What's the one position they needed? Wing. And then there just so happens to be a kid in Australia who was looking to have the opportunity to come play college basketball. Boom. Makes perfect sense. It's it's almost unexplainable how these types of things happen sometimes for these types of, for these people. And it, for Bill Self, it's one of those guys. I, I don't know how he does it. It just, things just somehow work out for him. 
Yeah, it did work out here. I think I saw on three has him rated as the number 45 prospect. I don't believe 24-7 sports rates international kids. So that would be why. Yeah, immediate impact, probably going to be tough. Maybe spot minutes this year comes in if there's injury or guy gets in foul trouble. It just gives you more depth. I think long-term, though, you look at this guy being a real player for you uh, in the long run. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to talk more about him and, and dive even deeper into him, but, but also— We don't really know that much, to be yes, honest. Yes, and KU played a game today, this morning— they uh, beat the Puerto Rico Select team 106-71. to uh, Kansas is 1-0. This counts, hopefully, for their NCAA tournament resume. 35-point um, <laughs> you know win. Is this a quad for? one win? Well, you know what it does count for? Hmm. It's their 34th straight exhibition win. Wow. Okay. I think this should be a quad one win. It's a road game, and you had to literally fly out of the continental United States. That's that's quad one win to me. So basically what we're saying is every win they have that's in the Bahamas. Correct. Or this, what about Maui? Well, if yeah, that should count double. And if they if they <laughs> beat the Bohemian national team with DeAndre Ayton and Buddy Heald, that should count for a quad zero win because you're beating professionals. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're beating NBA players. That that but should count for Quad that, zero everything. sounds... Quad zero is even better. No, it sounds worse. Well, because quad, no, quad one's better than quad two. So quad zero well, would know, have to be the, better than quad one. Well, there's got to be like a quad one plus. Or something. No, I don't like quad that. Quad zero sounds Quad stupid. one plus sounds like it's in between one and two. Quad zero sounds like it's the worst. No, it's like agent zero. It's the cool one. <laughs> no, you, you have to be special. It's like the black card. No. You got to be you got to be special no. to get it, right? I, I'm vetoing this idea. Um, one of the early parts of the game was maybe one of the most interesting parts of the game. KJ Adams hit a corner three. Yeah, we literally had this conversation yesterday where you said it over under threes for KJ Adams. Well, not only did he take a three, he, he made it. Yeah. He hit it. So that was wild. Uh, yeah, K.J. Adams, I think, checked every box that we had questions about. And obviously, a one-game, very small sample size. But you and I highlighted him as probably the most interesting player to keep an eye on during this trip because of all the discussion about his offseason game, all the discussion about, well, how is he going to fit in with, the, with, with Hunter Dickinson there? How is he going to fit in? Well, we got a pretty good idea of that today. I mean, he looked really, really good. He was cutting off of Dickinson. They were putting Dickinson more in the high post and letting KJ kind of use the athleticism, which seemed to work pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, I think KJ Adams did as great uh, had had as great of a performance as you could possibly have, given the circumstances in a one game sample size. Uh, and I'm sure his confidence has got to be pretty high right now. And it's and it's also the big takeaway also is that it's very clear that the the idea of Dickinson and KJ playing next to each other is very real and is going to happen consistently. Yes, they looked good playing together. There were a couple times that, you know, maybe there was a turnover here, there, one passing to the other, but that's to be expected this early in the game. They were throwing lobs to each other. They were passing it to Dude, each Hunter, other. Hunter Dickinson was just kind of clowning around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I want to see Hunter Dickinson actually try. Right, which, you know, next game, if you're playing DeAndre Ayton, I, I think you'll get just that. But, I mean, KJ had 19 points on 7 of 10. He hit the 1-3. Now, he did airball another 3, but that's okay. He took 2 in the game, and you'd gladly take 50%. Uh, Dickinson, even though he had a slow start, I think he was either one for five or one for six. Yeah, I think he was one for six. He That means if he was one for six, he finished five for seven. He ended up with 13 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Um, he, he was he was more than fine in the game. Kevin McCuller was really good in the first half. He had nine points. He had a couple really skilled plays, too. He had the one kind of turnaround, spinning, mid-range jump shot, and then he just kind of 
cooled it off from there. But to me, KJ is kind of the story here because you didn't know how that was going to look together. And I thought they looked really good. Uh, KJ, a lot of times, was crashing, uh, cutting when Hunter Dickinson caught the ball at like the free throw line in the high post. Uh, they just worked together well. There were even times where KJ hit Hunter Dickinson. So uh, I really liked what the two of those guys did. Uh, overall, though, it's hard to have like sweeping takeaways from this game because the team they played, it they weren't a great team. They just were not very good. No. Um, I mean, Kansas didn't really have to try after the first quarter. No, and it was like... It was 25-7. to 7 I mean, Kansas had 15 quarter. steals. Like, yeah. they just... I don't know. There was, there was a stretch where they got like three or four steals in a minute. Um, they were pretty overpowering. They were pretty outmatched for the other team athletically. Like, it was just another level where they were at. Now, on one hand, it was good to see Kansas get those steals, and, and you saw a lot of guards. Like, I saw one mo- point where, like, El Marco Jackson was guarding the opposing guard all 94 feet, or, like, guards were picking him up at half court. You like to see that ball pressure when you have this type of team, and they did that. Um, so it, it's, you know, better to do it than not to do it. Um, I'm not taking away too many things from this. They did shoot well from three, but again, if you watch the game, like, they were just overpowering the other team, and so they were just getting wide open threes. I want to see what happens when you're playing a team where some of those threes are maybe semi-contested, a little more contested. It's a good start, though. It's a very good start. My other big takeaway from this was we may have been totally wrong about Dewan Harris mm-hmm. in the thought process of could Dewan Harris average 11, 12 points per game? No, this dude's going to average like 3.3 points per game, but average like 12 assists per game. Yeah, I was honestly surprised he took four shots. I was looking at the box <laughs> and I was like, when I mean, did he, he take dude, any of those? This dude is not going to shoot. No. He just looked so enthusiastic to just facilitate, get assists, and then get steals. It registered him for four steals. I think he had like six or seven. It might have been more than that. And then he had nine assists. He had nine assists to one turnover. Yeah. So, like, that could be a regular stat line every game for him. Like, five points, ten assists, three steals. Because when when we've talked about, okay, if Hunter Dickinson leads the team in scoring, who would be second? We've thrown him out there because we've said, well, he was at eight and a half last year. What if he gets to ten and a half, eleven? Is it an overreaction after this one game to say it's absolutely not going to be him? Um, I'll be honest, like watching this and when you combine it with like the camp scrimmage we watched, he was the same way in that game. Yeah. It's kind of becoming apparent to me. He knows how much talent is around him. And he's basically saying, I can just be the like elite facilitator and defensive player. And that's going to be just fine. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure there will still be like, remember the Indiana game where KU yeah. in the second half had a bit well, of a lull. Yeah. Indiana which, goes on a run. Which game was it the where he hit like five threes? Oh, that was, uh, was, was that, that Texas, Texas Tech in Lubbock? Oh, Texas Tech, yeah. I don't know. There were a couple games you went off from three. But I think of the Indiana game. I think Indiana crept back to making it like a 10, 8, 12-point game, somewhere in that range. And then he scored like six or eight straight points. That's how I view it this year. It's going to be he'll take over scoring when he needs to, but I actually am kind of thinking that he's going to average less points per game to allow others to average more points, and his assist numbers are just going to be bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it seemed like. You're absolutely right. He... Uh, and listen, he's a guy that's always relished to that type of role, right? And I know last year there was all the there was all the attention on, uh, you know, Bill Self made some comments about how they wanted to get more aggressive and scoring wise. Well, to your point, he may not have to do that this year. I mean, if you've got Arterio going off, if you've got El Marco playing really well, if you've got KJ Adams averaging double digit points per game, and Hunter Dickinson is going to average, we assume, 17, 18, 19 points per game, like you. He may not have to do that. He may not, yeah. you know, there was all that talk about it last year, but the very situation is with the with the level of scoring that this team has, he may not have to do that this year. Yep. 
Um, so last thing I'll mention is I thought Parker Brown looked good in a hustle role. Zach Clements looked good. You alluded to. Uh, apparently, well, we'll talk about this with Brian Haney. He's going to join <laughs> us next. But Greg Gurley mentioned on the broadcast that Zach Clements had 59 points in the two scrimmages beforehand. Were the games played to 200? <laughs> I don't know. I want to get to the bottom of that. We're going to talk about that with uh, Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, coming up next. He'll join us from Puerto Rico. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now from Puerto Rico by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Um, Brian, it was uh, a fun call. The game 106 to 71. KU comes out on top of the, the Puerto Rico select team. My biggest takeaway from the game was, was how good KJ Adams looked in transitioning to kind of a different position. I, I know Hunter Dickinson had the slow start to the game, but I mean, in the end, were you surprised at all about how smooth things look between the the front court of KJ and Hunter? Yeah, no doubt. I think that's a great observation. And you know, KJ, on top of taking on a new role, looks even more athletic, if you can imagine that, from what he was a year ago. I think Greg commented on how he actually looks bigger through his chest and arms. He looks more explosive. And as a rim runner, lob catcher in that four-man role, you know, you're going to see him doing a lot of the things that he's naturally most gifted to do. And so I think he can really thrive in that role. And boy, when you put in a couple of jets like Marco Jackson and Arterio Morris around him, suddenly this is one of the most athletic teams in recent memory at Kansas. And so I think the athleticism differential was my biggest takeaway, the explosiveness differential. And obviously KJ Adams is a huge, huge part of that. I was honestly surprised looking at the box score when it said Dewan Harris had four shots because I uh, didn't even remember it being that much. It felt like he had a billion steals, he had a billion assists, and just seemed comfortable doing just that. And if he didn't score, he didn't score. We've seen other games to that ilk of Dewan, but you know we've had many conversations on this show about if Hunter Dickinson ends up leading the team in scoring, well, who's going to be second? And it's not that Dewan has been, you know, maybe the favorite to be second, but we've brought him up because he averaged, you know, eight, nine points per game last year. Could he get to 10 or 11? And you have a cluster, three or four guys around that, I don't know, nine to 11 point mark, and he ends up leading him? Absolutely. After watching today, after watching one of the camp scrimmages, too, that I saw where it was kind of the same thing, do you think it would be crazy at all if Dewan's point total actually went down from last year, uh, but his assist total went up? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. You know, it it was great to see him emerge as more of a capable scorer last year, and we quoted that great stat all season until the season ended. That at one point we were twenty four and zero when he scored in double figures and finished twenty four and one after the Arkansas game. But this is a team that now has so much more capable firepower off the bounce. We may not have as many capable three point shooters yet, and we hope that emerges over time. But the scoring off the bounce, uh, guys that can create off the dribble and transition and all of that is, is as good as I can remember in, in, in the last 10 years. And so it's just his job to, whether he's initiating on the defensive end with a steal where you turn defense into offense or on an outlet pass, making that initial pass inside the perimeter to start a, a transition finish, get it to the other guys that can score. It doesn't have to be him. So many great Kansas guards in the Bill Self era like Sherman Collins, who comes to mind most notably, was so good at taking it the whole distance and finishing at the rim themselves. And Juan is 
very good at those things, but he doesn't have to be on this team. And his better role might just be as the needle threader, you know, that, that finds a way to, to set up those other guys now that you've got some additional weapons with that explosiveness that we're talking about. And so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the numbers dip a little bit, uh, but the assist numbers go up. Having said that, uh, you know, this is just a one-game sample size, and, you know, clearly it was an off-shooting day for him. He's going to have plenty of games where he shoots way more than four attempts, and he'll hit close to half of them. I think the big area that I look at with him is he only shot 60% from the free-throw line a year ago, only got there about 60 times. You'd like to see both those numbers go up. But, yes, on a team that now has more scoring punch around him at the guard position, he might not be asked to do quite as much, and that's okay because he can impact this game in a myriad of other ways, still on both ends of the floor. It just might not have to be as, as a guy that shoulders the weight of you know 12 or 13 points a game. He might be a, uh, an eight-point, nine-and-a-half assist game guy on a national championship team, and he'd love every minute of that because he's not in it for the scoring. He's in it for the wins at the end of the day, as every true good point guard should be. Bill Self has talked about Kevin McCuller coming back and improving over the summer as well. I guess just in this game or in a small sample size, what do you think is where area where you think he's maybe improved the most in, and, and how do you think he, he's going to continue to grow in this with this team this season as well? Well, I, I think you know you didn't see it a ton today offensively, but I talked to Bill in the pregame about the comments he made last week about making a similar leap to what Jalen did and Ochai did when they went through the pre-draft process, got some constructive criticism, came back and worked their tails off. And he said the biggest difference that he saw in those guys that he now sees in Kevin McCuller is, is just confidence offensively, swagger offensively. Not in the sense that you're going to jack 20 shots a game up, but in the sense that, that you feel like, hey, if the game's on the line, get me the ball and get out of the way. Or if the big shot needs to be taken, no matter where we're out on the floor, the, the, the game-tying three or put-your-head-down-and-drive-it type finish, Kevin's got the, the confidence offensively to be that alpha dog that wants the ball and isn't going to just defer. And I think early in his Texas Tech career, he was kind of uh, – you know, put in the corner as, as just a defensive first guy that had some scoring capabilities, but he was more of a um, accessory on, on the perimeter and, and, and wasn't the, the focal point or anything like that. And he won't have to always be the focal point on this team uh, in terms of primitive scoring because what we've seen out of Arterio and obviously you know, Hunter's going to get his 18 a game, but there will be nights where he has that take-the-game-over mentality that you saw Jalen Wilson do uh, you know, for that one five-game stretch where he was just dominating last year, and you saw Uchai do as well previous season. Both those guys, first-team All-Americans. Bill sees a similar offensive confidence brewing within Kevin, and so you didn't see it a ton today. You did see a guy that was making great plays defensively, locking guys up, getting hands and passing lanes that led to deflections and steals. That stuff, you know, has always been there. It's always going to be there. But I look to see more and more of that offensively confident prowess that Bill's talking about uh, as we get deeper into the season. I think, though, that the marquee matchup of the whole trip, if it happens, and I don't know if it will, but you think Kevin McCuller would take guarding Clay Thompson to heart as, as the biggest challenge yet because he's absolutely trying to prove that, that he's worth you know NBA opportunity 
and then some, and, and probably still smarting a bit from you know, the combine and, and the uh, draft projections and forecasts not going the way he wanted it to two months ago. If he gets a chance to lock up a future Hall of Famer, I'm not saying you would, but, but if Clay does play, and, and you know, maybe he's just here as a spectator, we really don't know what Saturday's going to bring. But whether it's Clay or Buddy Heal or Eric Gordon or whoever it is, Kevin, as the lockdown perimeter defender, will take that matchup more seriously than anybody else in the gym, I promise you. Because he just went through the process, found out that his time wasn't now, and maybe he wasn't quite ready. He knows eyeballs are watching. It may only be on a one-camera web stream right now, but he knows <laughs> if he gets a chance to guard Clay or any of those guys, that, that scouts are going to be watching, and I think he'll come chomping at the bit on Saturday if that's the case. Well, heck, even if it's Buddy Heald, I think that would be an interesting one for sure as well. Um, Greg mentioned during the broadcast that Zach Clemens, who had eight points today, thought he looked good, had 59 points in the two scrimmages there. Uh, I mean, I I need to know about the Zach Clemens performance. Do you think there is any chance, I know the plan, Bill Self continues to reiterate that he is going to redshirt, but if Zach Clemens continues to look that good, do you think there's any chance that that would foil those plans? Bill's made a comment or two in the last week that, that's kept the crack in the door that, that they could always still play him this year. But I think the, the optimal potential for him to really impact Kansas basketball would be for two more seasons of eligibility starting next year and a full year this year of not only getting stronger, which he has, but, but getting stronger is more of an interior player. You saw a guy today that still is very much in love with the three-point shot, and, and he can hit it, as we saw, but he can also you know, rush to shoot that shot when they invite him to see uh, a better complement of both inside and outside, interior and perimeter skills. And, and so I, I think that your question is a good one. I think that if you read between the lines of some of Coach's comments, there's still possibilities, certainly. But uh, at the same time, I think the, the best plan, big picture, would be that they don't have to do that. They can save him, and he can really use this year to get a whole lot better because there will be bigger opportunities for him in brighter days ahead if that's the case. He waits his turn in the pecking order. But you definitely see a guy that's playing a little freer. He's, he's definitely uh, reacting and not overthinking. He's playing naturally from the flow of the game. I think sometimes the threes still come a little bit quick. But uh, clearly, he's confident. He's never lacked for it, that's for sure. But as a guy that shot 422 from three a year ago, um, I think you want to see him show what he can also do from 15 feet and in, back to the basket, what he can do as an offensive rebound putback guy, and play a little bit more true to that position as well. Not that he's going to be a five man, he's a stretch four, but, but show me a little bit more in the interior. That's what this next year of development, I think, will, will be by and large for Zach Clemens. Do you think we're going to see uh, different starters at the the shooting guard over the course of this weekend? Because that's been the most, I feel like, questioned among the, the KU fans trying to project the starting lineup. Will it be Timberlake? Will it be Morris? Will it be Jackson? Uh, do, I don't know. Is that a sign that Timberlake started today, that he'll be the guy? Or uh, could you see it being different over the next two games? You know what? Coach actually told us um, off of – the air that he plans on shuffling the starting lineup all three days, and that could always change. I think it changed from last night to this afternoon uh, in terms of who he ended up starting today. But I think he wants to see different combinations, and it's not a matter of 
if somebody starts tomorrow, it's because, oh, man, he definitely outplayed the guy uh, the day before. It's because he set out in his mind, Bill Self did, to have a whole bunch of different shufflings of the deck. And so he said before the game, before Arterio goes for 20 and all that, he's probably going to start him one of the next two days, and El Marco get a crack at it too, and, and that it was Timberlake today more than likely, but that that was probably going to change. And it's simply because he doesn't care a ton about winning these three games. He just wants to see as many different combinations and find out what gels the best, what clicks the most, that kind of thing. And so uh, it would not surprise me at all. In fact, I expected to see it look different on Saturday than it did today. And uh, who knows what Saturday brings and how that game goes, but there's probably a pretty good chance it looks different on Monday too, unless they're just hitting on all cylinders. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the beauty of an event like this. You, you get a chance to try a bunch of stuff, and the outcome really doesn't matter. You're not down here to win a tournament or anything like that. And so it, it truly is, you know, we use the cliche going into the laboratory probably too much, but this is the basketball lab for Bill Self right now. He wants to try a whole bunch of different combinations. And they're not running a ton of different plays or throwing out a bunch of laboratory-type creativity when it comes to play design, but they are looking at various combinations just to see certain tendencies and, and see what might gel better than others. And that, I think, is the biggest goal for him, that and team chemistry coming out of this eight-day venture down to Puerto Rico. Well, you get to go out there, too, which is uh, probably pretty fun. What's been your favorite thing so far about Puerto Rico? I don't know, just sitting by the pool, the beach, or, or I don't know if you've gone anywhere yet. Do you have a favorite thing so far? Man, I'm going to sound so lame. We should have done this interview tomorrow. But honestly, <laughs> it's been 36 hours of work since we got here because we were trying to get some semblance of, of live visual content with the web stream since uh, you know TV network partners didn't work out. And so, uh, and by the way, I appreciate folks' patience on that. I, I really wanted our you know Kansas Athletics front to create realistic expectations on a one-camera angle that's panning from left to right. This is not going to be a typical TV broadcast that has three angles, instant replay, and a, and a score graphic at the bottom right corner. It's the best we have to work with when you're you know, traveling off of the mainland. And anytime you go on these foreign exhibition tours, of which I've been a part of four of them now, you never know what you're walking into when you walk into the gym until you get there, whether you've got to have phone lines or uh, plug-ins, outlets anywhere. I remember one year up in Canada, 20 years ago when I was doing this up in the Pacific Northwest, I had to string 200 feet of, of telephone cord out some secretary's office in a fax machine underneath the bleachers. I'm crawling hands and knees underneath the bleachers, running literally 200 feet of court uh, just to get that game on the air back in 2004. And so times have advanced a bit, but yesterday was all about making sure we had some kind of stream. It's, I appreciate people being understanding that it's not going to look like ESPN or anything, but you do get a chance to see your guys. Now that we got the first game in the books, you better believe we're going to have a little bit of fun out here, that's for sure. I think the team has a special boat excursion coming tomorrow. Um, we've looked into to several different plans. Brandon McAnderson's encouraging us to, to go to this place where the original Pina Colada was invented. Oh. I, I figure as the school that has the inventor of basketball, we should make sure our announcers get to see the invention of <laughs> Pina Coladas down here, so we may do that. I've been here before with Texas Tech, and I did the bioluminescence tour. And this is kind of geeky, but you'll you'll enjoy this. There's there's these little plankton fish that store up their their energy for 24 hours to where uh, if you go out in in, in the, the dead of night, the darkest point of the night, and you put your oar in the water, 
when that ore hits the water, the plankton light up, and all this energy inside of them emits into like almost like a lightning bug type burst of light. And so, with every row or oar of your boat, um, you see that burst of light. And, and this is one of ten places in the world where uh, this bioluminescent feature is, is at an all time best. So, I think several members of our trip are going to get to do that. There's a lot of good stuff down here. The, the old town, old San Juan area. Has a ton of great restaurants. We're going to hit one up tonight, but uh, maybe the best stories are still to come. Let's let's do this again on the backside of the trip, and we'll see if Greg Gurley's post game comment about a belly flop <laughs> contest actually comes to fruition. I told him if we did, he'd be the one seed in every bracket. He didn't disagree, <laughs> so we'll see if we get that in before the trip is done. I'm also giving Greg the one seed on uh, pina coladas drink at the the pool bar over, over the course of the trip as well. So exactly, he's a powerhouse. Yeah. I said, the over under on how many you think he had in the pool yesterday, and I'll tell you if you're close or not. I I'm have gonna, the answer. All right, I'm going to go with uh, well, just in honor of Zach Clements. Um, <laughs> no, that's too high. It wasn't 41. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go with gosh, I don't know how long you were there yesterday. Uh, I'll give him five and a half. It would be over that, and, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> Definitely had a good time. Definitely had a good time. All right. Well, Brian, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your time down there, and appreciate you taking some time to hop on with us. I should I should point out there's probably never a half drink in in, no. uh, in his arsenal. <laughs> he, he goes all in, but I know I know why you set the line at that for sure. And you guys have a good one. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And let's definitely catch up next week when uh, the haze in the barn on this full trip and see who actually played from this other team and, and see how our guys fared against some real NBA talent. Saturday and Monday. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, man. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some uh, KU football audio with the tight ends, Mason Fairchild, Jared Casey. We're going to share that for you on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Had a uh, chance to hear from Andy Kotelnicki earlier today. We'll give that audio for you later on in the hour here. But we've got two RCST football trivia matchups coming at you today. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And uh, looking forward to our two matchups today. We've got a top 10 matchup with 7th-ranked Blake McFarland and ninth-ranked Brad Wandell. Then we're going to have Ben Wilson battling Ryan Brown, who is receiving votes honorable mention pick in the latest RCST football top 10. Uh, we'll have a couple matchups tomorrow, too, and then we'll get the updated top 10, and we'll be done with the uh, second week of action here. Uh, first, though, RCST football trivia is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. They have dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available. They have the outdoor patio. You can enjoy the weather. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, any of the great menu items. I think they had the uh, KU game streaming today that you could have gone and watched, so uh, I guess be on the lookout for that on Saturday and Monday for the next couple games, which you can also hear here on at KLWN. Don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get into our first trivia matchup of the day. Right, so this is a top 10 matchup between 7th-ranked Blake McFarland, ninth ranked Brad Wandell. Brad had a good win in the opening week. Blake had a scheduling conflict and unfortunately missed his matchup. Uh, still has the respect to be number 7, even with the 0-1 record. Blake, I want to start with you here, though. You went all the way to the title game last year. There was already some disrespect in the poll with you being number 3 to start off the year. 
Um, I, I don't know, backs against the wall now. I think you started 0-1 last year. So was this actually a tactic by you to purposely lose week one so that you could repeat what you did last year? I, I wish. You know, I think that uh, the disrespect got me pretty fired up. I actually, I did some prep for it. I was really excited. Uh, and then, you know, I, uh, much like the Jayhawks, and uh, I believe it was 2016, 16 or 2015 um all i needed to do is just spike the ball and kick a field goal against south dakota state and uh, i fumbled the snap i uh, couldn't even couldn't even get that accomplished so uh unfortunate but hopefully the path is still there for me to make the playoffs and uh get the uh, get the job done uh to not necessarily run it back but actually run it back and get the title uh, this year which is which is the goal Derek, and that's always the goal when you are in competitions like this Brad, you won your first matchup. You are now ranked in the top 10. And I think you took to Twitter and you said uh, something along the lines of like, uh-oh, like you didn't want to have that pressure next to your name. What do you think about coming in at number nine in the rankings this week? Well, Derek, I appreciate the love, but I definitely don't think I've earned it yet. I've had some wins over solid opponents, but they were more along the lines of my opponents having off games and me really going out and earning it. So... I think I would have to win one of these next two to really deserve a spot in the top 10. Blake's going to be really tough, and Ryan's going to be really tough next week. But we're going to give it our best shot and see what happens. Okay. Well, uh, Blake, since this is your first matchup, I'll let you call the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Tails never fails, Derek. We all know that. All right. And it did not this time either. Tails is the correct call. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Uh, I'll go second. I like. Let's have Brad set the tone here. All right, so Brad, you're going to start us off in the first quarter. This is the easy round. These are worth three points. Brad, your first question. Who is the radio voice and does play-by-play for the Jayhawks football team? Brian Haney. Brian Haney is correct. He is on the call right now of some uh, games in Puerto Rico for the Jayhawks, but also does the football as well. All right, Blake, your first question. The sideline analyst for the Jayhawk Radio Network is this former Kansas Orange Bowl running back. It is Brandon McAnderson, who I believe played at Lawrence High. Uh, and I could probably name the two prior to that too, Derek, if you want to give me some bonus points since I uh, fumbled the bag last week. Um, no bonus points allowed. You can name them if you want. You got Josh Klingler before BMAC. And then uh, everyone's favorite, Nate Bucati, a.k.a. Nick Buckley, before that. Okay, there we go. Well, uh, bonus points in terms of your, I don't know, swagger rating, I guess, but it's still three to three. End of the first quarter. We get to the second quarter. These are worth six. Back to you, Brad. KU's 2022 team season high in rushing yards was 351. It came in a Big 12 victory against who? Oof. Oh, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is right. Devin Neal went bananas in that game, and uh, you just ran all over them. They only had three Big 12 victories, too, so that makes it easier if you think back to the, uh, the ones they won. Okay, Blake, your second question. KU's 2022 team season best of 26 rushing yards allowed came in a Big 12 victory over who?
Sorry, Derek. Can you try that again on me? It cut out of KU's 2022 season best. Yeah, they allowed 26 rushing yards in a Big 12 victory over who? Iowa State. Iowa State is the correct answer. Uh, they beat West Virginia, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, and that's the one they held them in check. All right, 9-9 nine to nine as we head to the second half, third quarter of play. Back to you, Brad. This is worth seven. In KU's 2016 upset of Texas, what Jayhawk got the team on the board with a 55-yard pick six? Oh, man. Um, I am completely drawing a blank on this one. Yeah, I got nothing. Just I'll take the default. Okay. The correct answer is Brandon Stewart had the 55. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. Okay. All right, Blake, your hard question. In KU's 2016 upset of Texas, Dorrance Armstrong recovered one of three fumbles for the defense. Name one of the other two players to recover a fumble. Um, one answer I feel like is really obvious, and I'm going to be really upset if it is this person. Um, man, I guess I'll go with it. Is it Daniel Wise? It is not Daniel Wise. The correct answers were Denzel Feaster or Cameron Rosser. Okay. I had neither of those. Mike Lee got the final pick, right? Uh, I do not remember, possibly. Okay, 9-9 nine to nine the score. At the end of the third quarter, we head to quarter number four. These are worth eight points. Back to you, Brad. On December 4th, 1997, this KU player matched the school record held by Gale Sayers for longest run with a 99-yard run against Oklahoma. What's his name? Uh, my best guess is Winbush. Nope, the correct answer on this one is Eric Van. Eric Van drove that thing 99 yards for a touchdown against the Sooners. All right, Blake, you can win it here if you can answer this really hard correct. Otherwise, we're heading to overtime. Your question. Kansas earned a 34-31 road victory over Iowa State on November 2nd of 1996. What Jayhawk linebacker earned Conference Player of the Week for his performance? Derek, I was a year old. Um, uh, Curtis McClinton. I don't know. Correct answer here is Ronnie Ward. Ronnie Ward. Right answer there. All right, we're headed to overtime, tied up 9-9 to the score, and uh, I gave Blake the opening coin toss, so Brad, I'm going to give you the coin toss here in overtime. Real quick, though, reminder on the rules, whoever goes first will pick the category they answer a question in. Whoever goes second will then respond to who goes first. So if the first person misses their question, second will just have to answer an easy, and they'd win. However, if the first person hits their question, the second person will either have to answer in the same category to force double OT, where it'll be reversed, or answer one round harder question where they can win the matchup. So, Brad, do you want heads or tails? Uh, law of averages, based on how this competition's gone, says tails is going to come up again here. So let's go tails. Okay. It is tails, once again. So, uh, Brad, what do you want to do? You want to go first or do you want to go second? 
I'll go second. Okay. We're going to switch around the order here. That means, Blake, you're going to start up first, and that means you need to pick what category you want to answer a question in. Uh, I'll do medium. Okay. Medium round we go. This is worth six points in our first overtime. Blake, sitting at five and two and ranked 24th in the country on Halloween of 2009, KU saw a 21-14 fourth quarter lead turn into a 21-42 loss to what 21st ranked Big 12 South opponent? Oh, man. Okay, so it was 2009? Yes. Um, and they were up 21 to 14 and they lost 42 to 21? Yes. 10 seconds. Uh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech is the right answer. I don't know if that was a complete guess, educated guess or what, but yes, that is correct. Texas Tech. All right, Brad, you now have the uh, option here. Do you want to go for the hard and the win, or do you want to try to keep things going in the medium? I'll stay in the medium. All right, your medium question. Kansas earned their lone Big 12 victory of the 2010 season in a game where James Sims ran for 123 yards and four touchdowns against who? 2010. I think you might have got me on this one. Twenty ten. 10 seconds. I'm just going to go Baylor. Correct answer on this one is Colorado. Uh, I don't remember if this was the game they were down 45-17 and came back. It might have been. Um, but yeah, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. It's answer. Uh, so, Brad, you fall short just barely in overtime here. Nine points on regulation. Solid enough score. Um, if, if you would have had the other question, the Texas Tech one, would you have hit that here in overtime? I don't think I would have. I remember the game after the fact, but I don't know if I would have come up with it on the spot. Uh, Blake, if you would have had uh, those reversed with the Colorado one, would you have hit that one? Yes, only because I know you're a sicko and you're making questions about Colorado joining the Big 12 again. I think I was – I know I was at the game uh, that they had the giant comeback. Um, so that's my only reason I would have gotten that one. And I only guess Texas Tech because I feel like we always get a little weird with them and Lawrence when they're ranked. Yep. Well, Blake, that's a good win for you and a bounce back from uh, not being able to be there last week. So certainly uh, probably popping back into the top five. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it'll be tough with, with the rankings. But uh, both of you guys, good performance today. Fun one in overtime. Thanks for being a part of this and see you both next week. All right. Thanks. Good luck, Blake. Thanks, Brad. Brock Shock, both of you guys. Sorry about uh, some of the audio there. We were having some technical difficulties back in our studio when we were recording it. So uh Hope you could power through some of that. But nonetheless, Blake winning 15-9 to in overtime. Big bounce back for him. Brad takes his first loss of the season. And uh, we'll have another trivia matchup coming up here with Ben Wilson and Ryan Brown. Uh, RCSD football trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy. You can uh, get any of your custom awards. You can get any custom engravements. All done at Jayhawk Trophy, whether it's for your youth sports league or your fantasy football league or you need something etched on, you know, just a binder or a like our our tumblers that we've got, they can get you all covered at Jayhawk Trophy. Check them out 
in Lawrence. So uh, that matchup was taking place in the uh, Johnny's Tavern Conference, which uh, puts Blake at now 1-1 one one in conference play, 1-1 one one overall. Brad falls to 0-1 in conference play, 1-1 one one overall. Ryan Goodwin sits at 1-0 and in conference play and overall. So if Brad can beat Ryan, then we would have a three-way tie in the conference, and then it would go to total points. But uh, outside of that, obviously a chance to make it with an at-large bid. So our next matchup will be as part of the Neighborhood Porch Conference between Bowden Wilson and Ryan Brown receiving votes. You're listening to RCST Trivia, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. More trivia after this. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We have our second and final trivia matchup of the day, Ben Wilson versus Ryan Brown. We are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, 23rd Street Brewery, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, and uh, we are also brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy. Check out Johnny's Tavern. There's now 13 locations, whether it's you know in the newest locations or back here at the original location in North Lawrence with Johnny's. It's their 70th year anniversary. They're having all sorts of great specials. And you can try their new Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewery. So highly recommend checking out that beer. It is delicious. Drink responsibly and uh, enjoy all the great food at whatever your nearest Johnny's Tavern location is. Um, so Ben and, and Ryan were both top 10 teams. Uh, Ryan was, I think, preseason number five. Ben was, I don't know, around eight was, or something like that. Yeah. Seven or eight. Um, I thought he was six, to be honest. It might have been, honestly. Both these guys had high expectations, had a tough week one. This is a big opportunity in a week that has been known for bouncing back. Yeah, this has been kind of the theme of uh, of football trivia this season where we've had some some teams with some high expectations that have kind of just a slept walk through week one, maybe – not totally locked in 100%, but we've seen some great redemption arcs from some of those guys in Week 2, and uh, that's here's an opportunity for these two guys, too, because, yeah, I mean, listen, so Ben made it to the great, did he make it to the grade 8 in, in no, basketball? No, he was, oh, he in basketball, yeah, 16? basketball, he made the grade 8, yeah. Yes, yeah, so he made the grade 8 in basketball. Ryan Brown was a one seed mm-hmm. in basketball, so we know he's got that. He made the Phenomenal Four the year before. Yeah, we know he's got that well of knowledge. So these are two guys that definitely have the ability. It's just a matter of, uh, bringing it on game day and putting it out on the field. All right, well, let's get into that matchup. Our second and final trivia matchup of the day features Ben Wilson and Ryan Brown, who is a honorable mention in our latest top 10. Both these teams were in our top 10 um, just a week ago and in the preseason rankings and our final rankings last year. So this is a good bounce back opportunity as part of the neighborhood porch conference here with uh, both Ben and Ryan. Ben, I want to start with you. Uh, this is now a three-game losing streak. What what happened, man, after oh, the 3-0 start? I know. Uh, last week was embarrassing. I, I, I was uh, not pleased with my performance. So uh, I'm kind of, yeah, I, I feel like it's 2009 KU football. You know, start off strong and just tank the rest of the way. Well, Ryan, you fell in week one as well, um, and, you know, tough one there. This has been the week of the bounce back for a lot of our, our good candidates who had a tough week one. How are you feeling about uh, what you're going to do here in week two? Um, I feel like I'll do a lot better if you ask questions that I know the answer to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good strategy. Very good strategy there. Okay, well, uh uh, ben, you are technically, I mean, Ryan's receiving some votes in the top 10 voting, so I guess, Ben, I'll give you the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? I'll go heads. All right. It is heads. 
You have won the toss. Dude. Do you want to go first or second? What? It's been heads every single time the past, like, four days. Tails in the <laughs> first two matchups today. Uh, sorry, uh, Ben, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll take the ball. I'll go first. All right. Take the ball. Ryan's going to go second. We'll start in the easy quarter. These are worth three points in the first quarter of play. And uh, first up for you, Ben. Well, this, uh, okay. Uh, the top two players in sacks on the 2015 Jayhawks were both freshman defensive linemen whose first name began with the letter D. Name one of them. Dorrance Armstrong. Yep, the other one was Daniel Wise, now both in the NFL. Wise actually with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Could be, could be starting. For, yeah, for could Chris be starting. Jones. All right, Ryan, your first question. It would have been, well, we'll get there when we get there. Okay, Ryan, your first question. Uh, first name, Ben. This Jayhawk linebacker was all Big 12 second team in 2013. Uh, ben Heaney. That's right. Would have been fun if that was uh, Ben's first question. For that reason, with the same first name. Okay, it's three to three after the first quarter. Second quarter questions. These are worth six points in the medium round. Back to you, Ben. The most career passing yards that Todd Reesing had against one opponent, so career, uh, multiple games, was 1,285 career passing yards against what team? Okay. First thing that pops in my head might be Nebraska because I'm thinking of the 77-point game. Yeah, he always balled out against Missouri. Uh, K-State, he killed two. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Nebraska. You had one of the schools right there, though. It was Missouri. Missouri was the okay, right one okay. this time. Okay. Ryan, your question to take the lead in the medium round. Racine had 10 passing touchdowns against Missouri in his career. The only team he threw more against with 12 passing touchdowns in his career, was what other Big 12 North opponent? Um, I'm going to use the same logic and go with uh, Nebraska. This one's actually Iowa State. Iowa State, oddly enough, the right one there. I guess Iowa State just not as good and just put up a lot of points. Okay, it is three to three. Headed into the second half, third quarter of play. We'll go back to you, Ben. This is seven points in the hard round. When Les Miles got COVID in 2020, who took over as interim head coach? Oh, it wouldn't have been. I don't think it was Emmett Jones. I think it was someone else. I think it was our special teams coordinator. Was it uh, Mike Elkler? Correct answer is Joshua Ergel. Ergel. Forget the pronunciation. Ergel, okay. Ergel is the right answer. All right, Ryan, your question is kind of a follow-up to that. Who did they play in that game with Joshua Ergel as interim head coach for Les Miles, who was out with COVID? Um... Pretty well early. I'm gonna guess it was uh, Oklahoma State. Correct one on this go around is West Virginia. West Virginia, the right answer there. All right, it is three to three. We're headed to the fourth quarter, really hard round. These are worth eight. Let's see if somebody can take it. Ben, Ooh, back to you. <laughs> ben, back okay. to you. 
The most consecutive wins for KU occurred between 1907 to 1909. How many games did they win in a row? I'll guess 14. You're pretty close. The correct answer on this one was 18. Wow. All right, Ryan. See if you can win it in the really hard round. Your question. The longest home winning streak for KU occurred between 1908 to 1910. How many home games did they win in a row? Nine. Correct answer on this one was 15. 15 consecutive home games for Kansas back in their heyday of 1908 to 1910. All right, it's 3-3 the score. We are going to go to overtime now, which means we need another coin toss. I had Ben call the coin. Uh, Before we go to overtime, reminder on the rules, whoever goes first will pick their category. Whoever goes second will either have to answer an easy question if the first person misses, or they will answer the same category if the first person hits, or better if they want to try to win it in that overtime. Otherwise, if it's tied after the first overtime, we go to double OT and uh, on and on and on, back and forth we go. Okay, Ryan, do you want heads or tails on the coin? Tails. It is tails. Wow. Okay, that means, Ryan, you have the option to go first or second in overtime. Um, Let's go first. All right. So we're going to switch up the order. Ben, you'll be up second. And that means, Ryan, you have to choose what category do you want to answer a question in. I'm drawing a blank. What are my options? Uh, Easy, medium, hard, really hard. Three points, six points, seven, eight, whatever. Yep. Uh, Medium. Okay, medium question. This is worth six points for you, Ryan. Three players threw a pass for Kansas last season in 2022. Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean, and who else? Uh, Lachlan. It is actually the third-string quarterback from last year who has since transferred. The right answer here is Ethan Vasco. Ethan Vasco, as a freshman, came in for that Texas Tech game. All right, Ben, you can try to go for a medium, hard, or really hard if you want some extra style points, or you can go for an easy. Either way, if you just answer a question, you you win. I got to go with easy. I got to end this. Okay, easy round here. Ben, your question. First name, James. This Jayhawk running back was all Big 12 second team in 2013. James Sims. That's right. And you win in overtime 6-3. to three. Bit of a low score, but you survive. You get through. Uh, what's the feeling like, Ben, to have the dub here? Uh, it feels good, but I, I'm still, you know, a little disappointed in, in the performance only getting, you know, the easy round questions right. Uh but I'm glad I can win. Sometimes you got to win ugly. Yep. Best part of winning ugly is winning, right, Nick? Winning. Yes. Uh, Ryan, tough one to fall short today. Is there a question or a round that you look back on and, and you wish you would have got it right? Um, I think I overthought the overtime because Vasco, I thought, played pretty well against Tech, but I completely forgot he played. I thought it was going to be some you know, halfback receiver pass or something like that. 
Yeah, that, that happens. You get the pressure of the clock, and, and you know, you just never know what's going to come out. Well, uh, guys, good performance today. We always love the overtime matchups. Add some extra drama from our end. So uh, we'll see you both <laughs> next week for the final week of the regular season. Good work today. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Good luck. Wow. So uh, that was kind of reminiscent of the Kyle Martin, Aaron Mayer matchup from week one. Yeah. Six to three in overtime. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, sometimes it goes like that, man. I mean, the the really hard questions I thought were, were they were pretty hard today. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. I do think, though, what, what makes those at least a little bit better than the ones of, like, who was all big six in 1920, you just might not know a name. At least those you, you can guess randomly number, guess. guess them, right? Right. Sure. Yeah. And I will say, like, you could probably argue that they were a little tougher mediums and, and maybe a little tougher hards. I do think, I remember very clearly the Joshua Ergel in West Virginia. I have thing. no idea. I didn't know who Joshua Ergel was. Okay. Well, you I, me the questions, I guess that's that was like, dependent on the person. When you showed me the questions, I was like, who? Yeah, I thought about honestly making those medium, to be honest, but I can see why somebody would forget those things, right? It wasn't yeah. a memorable game or anything like that. So yeah. I, that's why they were in hard. Um, no, I think those were fair hard questions. Yeah. The medium ones, you can, you, you can narrow it down, but coming up with the right question so i don't know maybe it was tough for for both those those guys but uh yeah i that, think it was just a little bit of uh you know after you start to it's a confidence thing you know you mm -hmm. miss your medium and then you and then it's just kind of a slippery slope ryan mentioned how he just kind of overthought that one question he had in overtime you know that if you just kind of think it through maybe the answer just comes to you pretty obviously with vasco but maybe you get in your own head a little bit and you're thinking oh man was it something crazy was there some other something else that i'm missing and then you kind of overthink it that way so uh it's it's tough man Trivia is not for the faint of heart. No, it is not. But Ben comes through with the overtime victory. We'll have uh, some more matchups coming at you tomorrow with RCST Football Trivia. One of our title sponsors, McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Same ownership in Lawrence right on 6th Street. Go check them out when you get a shot. Get your car washed. Get a meal. And uh, have yourself a good day. All right. Uh, we're going to get to some Andy Kotelnicki audio coming up next. We've also got a Jayhawk Rewind coming up and a fun game we're going to play in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Top of the 5 o'clock hour here and uh, KU winning their Puerto Rico game. We talked plenty about it in the open. You can find it on the Best of RCST podcast wherever you get any of your podcasts. It's that time, though, on a Thursday, we get to our Jayhawk Rewind, and we're on week eight of the season, which was uh, KU. Actually, this was week nine. Actually, it might have been week 10 because of the bye week. Nonetheless, this was the ninth game of the season <laughs> for KU. The... <laughs> um, KU Oklahoma we're State. Off to a hot start. KU Oklahoma State in Lawrence is our Jayhawk Rewind. Good game. Fun game. Fun game. Really, really exciting game. Not fun game if you're an Oklahoma State fan. True. True. Uh, now, now going into this game, what we thought headed into this game, Kansas had lost three straight games after the 5-0 and start. You saw a difficult game still in front of you with Texas, with Kansas yeah. State. Yeah, I don't think there was a real real panic, but there it was It was starting to creep in thought thoughts of, of, yeah. Okay, you need to win one more game, and you've still got Texas on the schedule. You've still got to play at K-State. Where's that sixth win going to come from? And that, again, I don't... I don't think panic was the right term, but at that at that stage, I think think you said it right. At that stage, you were starting to think, okay, well, are they going to actually, you know, if Jalen Daniels is going to continue to be out, and it's still going to be Jason Bean, are they guaranteed to get that sixth win? Yes. And if they lose this one, at that point, it's four straight, and you look at those final three games, and then that kind of panic might start creeping in. Uh, there was questions about whether Spencer Sanders was in or out for Oklahoma State. They had just gotten 
trounced by Kansas State the week before. <laughs> um, and Spencer Sanders, without him, they just were not a good team, like point blank. Yeah. They looked as bad as Oklahoma did without Dylan Gabriel. Yes. So that was all going in. Uh, but you knew Oklahoma State had a good track record against Kansas. They ranked 18th going in, which uh, I forget that, that I guess, was KU's best win <laughs> by ranking at the time of playing a team, maybe? Yeah. Uh, so the game opens up beautifully from a Kansas perspective with those quarterback issues for Oklahoma State. Garrett Rangel is intercepted. Then KU has a really quick touchdown drive. Four-play, 73-yard touchdown drive, finished off with a 31-yard touchdown run by Devin Neal, which would be a signal of things to come that game because Devin Neal was amazing. Yes. Very next drive, Garrett Rangel, another interception. Um, the two teams exchanged punts. Kansas eventually gets a field goal. Oklahoma State goes down, makes it 10-7. to And at that point, after Oklahoma State has the 15-play, 75-yard drive to get a touchdown, it's like 10-7, to and you're like, I feel like Kansas should be up by a lot more. Yeah, yeah. But fortunately, then Jason Bean had that long touchdown run, the 73-yard yep. touchdown run. Jason Bean happened. Where you finally saw like that, that insane speed. So it's 17-7. You force a punt. Uh, two teams exchange punts. Oklahoma State fumbles. Kansas goes down, gets a touchdown before the half to Lawrence Arnold from Jason Bean. It's 24-7 to at the half, and you never really turned around. I think one of the biggest things, you double-dipped before half. You go get that touchdown, then in the second half you start with the ball, and it could have been an easy opportunity for, you know, just to kind of sit on it, and uh, it's 24-7, and then you punt, you have a three and out. The fact that they went down and scored a touchdown on the first drive of the second half to make it 31 to 7. It was a 15 play 75 yard drive. Yeah, it took eight that minutes. just kind of it took half the quarter. Yeah. So you take half the quarter and you go down and score to That was pretty the, much the game. Yeah, complete the double dip like you said. Uh you're right. That was basically ball game at that point. I mean, an 8 minute drive to rip the hearts out of your opponent right after the half. Uh it was pretty much done at that point. Yes. Oklahoma State did get a field goal. You exchanged one. They got a touchdown. Then you got a field goal. Then they threw kind of the the final, I guess, was like, oh, it's 37 to 16. They have the ball uh, inside your 25 with like a little under four minutes. I guess if they get a touchdown here, uh, maybe they can get an onside kick and make things interesting. But they threw another interception to Garrett Rangel. And I believe it was Rich Miller who picked that one off. Um, that basically just ended it at that point. Yeah, so for Devin Neal, the the man of the hour in this game for KU, to go along with 224 yards on the ground and a touchdown, he also caught six passes for 110 yards. So this guy had over 330 yards from scrimmage by himself in this game. He was unstoppable. And, uh, you know, we, we had kind of talked about it throughout the season last year of the idea of, okay, with Dan, well, I guess this was pre-Daniel Highshaw injury, of, you know, why would you need why would you lean on Devin Neal too heavily too early if you don't need to, right? If you have a guy like Daniel Hyshaw or uh, Kai Thomas who we, over the course of the season we thought was maybe going to be a little more productive than he was, but still the thought process was there's not really a you don't necessarily need to feel like you have to lean on Devin Neal so much early because you know you have some good depth at the running back position, you can kind of manage reps and stuff. And this was the game where Devin Neal was just unleashed. I mean, 32 carries plus 6 receptions. And he was unstoppable. He was he was the best player on the field that in in this game and maybe around the country on that day. Uh, he was outstanding. Yeah, and that was very significant because then you kind of saw okay, if Devin Neal is on his A plus game and Kansas just lets him off the leash, he is an absolute man among boys and is really really at, at an elite running back. And that was on full display throughout this whole game. I mean, credit to the offensive line, too, for, for opening up those holes because Devin Neal, like you said, was electric. But also, uh, 
everybody on the team. You had in Jason Bean, Kai Thomas. Kansas had 46 carries as the team for 351 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. They also gave up zero sacks to the offensive line. Yeah, and I think Devin Neal, maybe kind of his performance overshadows what Jason Bean did. Jason Bean was yeah, 18 Bean was of 23. Amazing. He was very, very efficient. He didn't turn the ball over, protected it, had two touchdown passes. Uh, it, so everything just kind of came together for KU against an Oklahoma State team that was probably still reeling from the Kansas State game, and Kansas kind of pounced on them even more. So Bean was fantastic. He was very efficient. Devin Neal obviously did his thing, and the result was a, a, a big Kansas win. And I remember, I remember being at the game in the stands and thinking, man, this is great that I don't have to sweat out a game yeah. for KU to go to bowling, right? Like, they're, like you had time to let it set in, like, Kansas is going to go to a bowl game. Like you kind of had, like by the end of the third quarter, you had basically like the rest of the game to kind of let that sink in, right? It wasn't like you had to stress about it, like wasn't hanging in the balance. No, this was dominance. And then in the third and fourth quarter, you could just kind of sit back and think, holy cow, Kansas is going to a bowl game. Yeah, and that that was kind of the beauty of it too. Uh, I do think the defense deserves some credit for this one. We all think to the Iowa State game for the defense having the game that that won it for KU and. You know, in this one, even if the defense wasn't great, I don't know that would have mattered much. And and I do think the running game staying on the field did help you here. I mean, having that eight-minute drive in the third quarter, you know, that's going to keep the defense rested and everything. But you held Oklahoma State to 111 rushing yards on 35 carries. That's more than good enough to win. You forced three interceptions and a fumble. I mean, having four turnovers, like, it was an excellent game for the defense. Rich Miller had a pick. Melo Dotson had a pick. Kobe Bryant had a pick. Um, just an excellent all-around game. And that's what happens when you win a Big 12 game by multiple scores, when you win it by you know three scores. So the biggest takeaway here, though, was just Kansas is going bowling. That yeah. was the biggest deal out of all this. Yeah, Anything that, that happened from then on in the season was a cherry on top. Exactly. And I think that was also the game where it was like, man, KU really was lucky to have Jason Bean as the backup because if you had to go to Ethan Vasco or if, you didn't, or if you know, Bean didn't exist, it would have been probably pretty tough to get that sixth win. But you got it, and that was really all you needed to yeah. get from Jason B. No, you just compare it to what Oklahoma State had as a backup. And, and we go across the conference, too. The teams that, that honestly did best compared to their expectations last year were the teams that had the good backups, right? Like, and then it's the flip side for the teams. Or the teams that didn't have any injuries. Yes, but like here's what I'm saying. But I guess I guess if you look at TCU, right. Duggan wasn't even supposed to be the He was starter. the backup yeah, to start the point. year, right? Yeah, Chandler Morris gets injured. Kansas yeah. State, they had to go to Will Howard, and he probably ended up being better than Adrian Martinez. Uh, Kansas had to, to deal with Jason Bean. And again, like, yeah, okay, Kansas was 6-6. Six and six. They were below what, like, say, for instance, uh, I don't know, Texas was or something. I'm just saying compared to their team expectations, the teams that overperformed those expectations had a good backup quarterback, and the teams who underperformed their expectations, Oklahoma, they got trounced when they didn't have Dylan Gabriel. Oklahoma State, when it was Garrett Rangel or Gunnar Gundy, they got trounced, right? The teams that didn't have the good backup quarterback didn't perform well. So that's important for KU, yeah. not just obviously last year, but this year as well. Um, things that didn't come to fruition in this game, I would go back to the rushing defense. I mean, you gave up 111 rushing yards on 35 carries. That's really good numbers. Yeah, it's maybe a bit of a red herring because Oklahoma State ended up throwing the ball 40 times because yeah. they were down most of the game. So maybe it was kind of a... But still, that's only like three yards a carry. No, I know. No, it still looks good. But I'm just saying like the idea of, oh, the run defense is fixed. Well, Oklahoma State was down most of the game and had to throw the ball. So Yeah. So it didn't end up uh, carrying over. Uh, hindsight 2020 goggles, uh, something that you probably didn't notice in the game because they were winning the whole time. Again, punting was not good. You had three punts that averaged 31 yards per punt. The long was 38. 
albeit you did have one get inside the 20. So, you know, times when you're when you're like coffin corner punting, that's going to lower your average. But uh, that wasn't the case for the other two. Um, also, fumble luck. This was a game where you recovered a fumble. You also had a fumble. Devin Neal fumbled, but you were fortunate to recover it. So, again, that's something, you know, that you don't love and maybe cost you like the Baylor game, for instance. Uh, but, uh, you know, finishing things off here, did, did it teach us anything for 2023? I think this is one of those games where it has a lot of teaching moments for this year. One of those is the backup quarterback situation. Yeah, I mean, Andy Kolnick, we played that audio earlier in the show, but Andy Kolnick, you brought up the point of how many Power 5 teams in the country going into this season have two quarterbacks that have not only started a Power 5 game, but also won Power 5 games? Probably not very many. And for Kansas, you have Jason Bean, who has who started, you know, I don't know what, eight, nine games in his first year, and then last year he starts three or four games. Obviously, Jalen Daniels has, has started a lot of games as well in one game. So you have two quarterbacks that are very experienced at the Power 5 level making starts and winning games. And there's very, very few programs around the country that I think can probably say that as well. Uh, and so that is huge. That is huge to have that have that as, as, as a safety blanket. Obviously, uh, from the Kansas fans' perspective, you hope to see Jalen Daniels play every game and put up huge numbers and everything else, but – just to know that you have Jason Bean who, and listen, last year before Jalen Daniels got hurt, there were Jason Bean packages. I fully expect that to be the same case this year again where they have packages where Jason Bean is on the field either at quarterback with Jalen Daniels you know, doing something else or putting Jason Bean somewhere else to get the ball in his hands. I'm I'm sure that Andy Kulnicki has cooked up a number of different packages and plays that involve Jason Bean uh, along with Jalen Daniels this season. Yeah, and as well as Jason Bean played as the backup, this probably shouldn't be – a question or a thing because it is a team sport, but this was the proof because to this point, Jason Bean had not won a Big 12 game. Yeah. Like you think back to, you know, year one, they won the South Dakota game, but then their second game they won was Texas. That was Jalen Daniels. Uh, and this was his first Big 12 win. It was proof that Jason Bean can win a Big 12 game. And again, uh, maybe that shouldn't be under the fire because he did play well enough for them to win, like against, I don't know, TCU and, and you know, some of those other games. Um, like he played well enough for them to beat Oklahoma if the defense would have done this or that. Still, though, it, it was proof that, that that can happen, which is important. I also think it, it shows that Devin Neal has, because we've always known Devin Neal ever since he was a freshman and hit the field. We knew he was, I mean, he was a four-star crew coming in. We knew he was a talented, a good player. We, we knew that for sure. That yep. wasn't a surprise. Yeah, I don't think we knew that Devin Neal, I don't know. It's maybe not that we didn't know. We just hadn't seen proof of it yet. Can Devin Neal go from being a good running back to being a in a specific game a superstar, being a player who takes over a game? That's exactly what he did. He led you in receiving yards with 110 of them. He led you in rushing yards with over 200 of them. He had basically 40 touches in the game. He had all sorts of touchdowns. That I was mean, a that was a he, he wasn't obviously a Heisman contender. That was a Heisman level performance. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it this way: if Devin Neal this season is a top two or three running back in the Big 12, that means he's probably in the top 10 running backs in the country, right? So he definitely, definitely has that level in him. And, uh, yeah, that was on full display in this game where he just took it over. Yeah. Um, also, this is more of an Oklahoma State question, but I think it is, you know, it, it does still pertain to KU because they play Oklahoma State this year. And that's also a team that's being picked kind of around the same area as KU is in some of these preseason polls. Is Oklahoma State, was this a lesson to teach us that Oklahoma State is not very good when Spencer Sanders isn't their quarterback or when they don't have yeah, a good Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be really tough to, I think, compare Oklahoma State last year to this year. 
uh, because we had Scott Wright from the Oklahoman come on to, to talk about actually Oklahoma State this season and our early previews of KU's opponents for 2023. And, you know, I think the issue is with how much roster turnover Oklahoma State had, It's I think it's going to be really tough to say, oh, Oklahoma State with Spencer Sanders is, you know, way better or one way or the other because you're going to look at this team this year without him and try to compare it to last year's team without him, and it's going to be very difficult because they're really not going to be the same. So I think really the question is going to be what is Mike Gundy's level of, of coaching? Can he still – does he still have that elite-level coaching in him that he gets a lot of respect for? But honestly, the results for Oklahoma State have been, what, kind of disappointing in the last maybe three or four or five years basically? Uh, so you know what's does does he have that level in him to get him back to get Oklahoma State back to being a, a perennial top fifteen program? Whenever you would hear those conversations people had when Texas and Oklahoma first announced they were leaving about which schools were primed to step up in their absence, Oklahoma State was at the top of the list. Now, I we'd be remiss not to mention literally twenty twenty one, literally two years ago they went twelve and two, <laughs> and. Uh, they they lost in the Big Twelve title game on the, like the two point conversion. Oh yeah, remember that they're trying to stretch across and they couldn't get there. Also, the two years before they won eight games. But yeah, I mean there's been some. That's been the one thing. Like whenever they have won like seven games or eight games, they usually bounce back the next year to win a lot more. So uh, two thousand here's the Mike Gundy era. Uh, two thousand seven they win seven games. Two thousand eight they go up to nine. Uh, two thousand twelve they win eight games. Twenty thirteen they win ten. Twenty fourteen they win seven games. Twenty fifteen they win ten. And then they won 10 for three straight years. 2018, they won seven. Next two years, they won eight. Then they won 12 in 2021. I'm not going to write off Oklahoma State at all. No, I, I'm I not. I think either. Mike Gundy is, even though I, he's not one of my favorite people, he, uh, you know, is a very good coach. So I'm not going to write you, them off. Yeah, you have some experience with Mike Gundy. Yeah, I, I just don't want to write them off. And, and I think I am almost like. Every part of me with my brain wants to think, oh, they're only going to be a six or seven win team this year because of the quarterback. There's another part of me that's like, oh, I'm just going to trust Mike Gundy, and with that schedule, they're going to win eight, nine, or ten games. So I don't, yeah. I don't know to be honest, but it's hard well, without that thought, quarterback. Like yeah, maybe it takes him a few years it, to get the quarterback. When it comes to Oklahoma State, from the KU perspective, is I don't want to put the cart before the horse and look at KU on the road of the Big Twelve and say, oh, they'll win that game. Like I don't, I don't want to no, do that. Not at all. I mean, I, I don't. Especially think, in Stillwater. Exactly. Like, has has KU done enough in the short amount of time that they that they've been successful with Lance Leipold for you to, for you to confidently say that KU can go on the road and win a game? Uh, I mean, even with Iowa State, we haven't really touched on a hundred Decker stuff, but yeah. that game suddenly looks like Kansas should be able to waltz into Ames and get an easy W. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're no. going to be starting a freshman quarterback that we don't really know much about. No, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe the freshman quarterback is good, right? I remember when Iowa yeah. State a few years ago started a freshman quarterback in Lawrence, and it was Brock Purdy, and we yeah. were like, "Who is this Brock guy?" Purdy ended and up he being did well. Yeah. Ended up being, you know, he's in the, in the NFL now, right? Yeah. Uh, for for good or for bad, some of the you know he had some ups and downs, but he was. Still, but yeah, I'm I, I'm right. I'm with you from the key perspective. I'm with you from the standpoint of. I am still very hesitant to confidently say to confidently look at a game, a Big Twelve road game for KU, and say, "Okay, yeah, KU has yeah. a really good chance to win that game." I'm, I'm not saying that KU doesn't have a chance to win any of the road games, but I'm just saying like I'm still not quite to the point where I where I can say, "Guaranteed." Oh, yeah, I'm ready. To, I'm 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 ready to pencil in that game as being more likely than not a win for Kansas. Now, on the positive side of this, I do think this shows that KU doesn't just have the ability to win Big 12 games now. And this is the big difference between where this program and staff has gotten. Oh, yeah. They can manhandle them. They can actually win them going away. Because every Big 12 win that they have had, basically from David Beatty on... I mean, like 2015? Yeah, 2014 maybe on, has been 
a close win and or a win where something fluky's happened. Texas having six turnovers. Texas Tech blocking the field goal and then and then fumbling it. it. Right back to TCU butt fumble in the red <laughs> zone, right? You think back to all those, and they've all been close games. And even under this staff, it was a close win in Texas. It was a close win in West Virginia where it was uh, in overtime. It was a close win over Iowa State. All of your Big 12 wins had been close. This was proof that you have taken that next step as a program that if things are clicking for you that day, you can actually go away with a win. You can yeah. win by multiple scores, and that is I mean, an important step as a program. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. In the past for KU, Kansas needed to play like their A++ game, and they needed their opponent to do something, and they needed their opponent to play like at least a D game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Texas had six turnovers in 2016. You mentioned the TCU thing. Texas, the Texas Tech game where they they literally fumbled, they fumbled the game right back to you. You know, you've had to have fluky stuff happen, and on top of that, you've had to play a great game. Now it is, if you play a great game, you can be just better. You just simply can be better if you play a great game. And that's what I think what happened here is you played a great game. Jason B was efficient. Devin Neal ran wild. And look what happened. You you had a very, very comfortable, solid win. All right, we're going to take a timeout. That was a uh, fun Jayhawk uh, rewind there. We have a fun game we're going to play next that I'm going to uh, quiz Nick, test Nick on. It is called NFL Preseason Hall of Fame Game Player because that's tonight or TikTok star. That on the other side, this is RCST on KLWN. Half past five, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to have another fun show coming at you tomorrow. If you miss anything, you can always find it on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts, including now on KUSports.com. Okay, we've got a fun game we're going to play here. Uh, I have these two things. NFL Preseason Hall of Fame game, which the NFL Preseason Hall of Fame game is on tonight. tonight. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about it. I will probably put it on. Yeah. Okay. I think what I'll do is I'll put it on. But I probably won't like watch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like, I'll just have noise. it on. Yeah. yeah. I'll have it on while I'm maybe doing something else, and then I'll keep an eye on it. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, uh, I'm going to ask you a name, and you're going to tell me if it's somebody who's playing in the Hall of Fame game tonight, which is between the Jets and the Browns, or okay, famous TikTok star. Oh boy! As you know, I'm not on TikTok. No, neither am I. I don't have TikTok, uh, so I don't even know. Now you uh, have done ten seasons of this. You have gone eighty-nine and forty-six. That's pretty good, honestly. Six and four in bowl games. You have four conference titles, one college football playoff appearance, one title. Last year you went nine and four. Last three seasons though, you're twenty-three and sixteen, which is why you were fired from your Power <laughs> Five school. You're still at your uh, American Athletic Conference school. Okay, I'm still at UTSA. Yes. Okay. All right, week one. You ready? You understand the game? Yep. Israel Abanacanda. Oh, that's a that's a that's a player. That's an NFL player. That is an NFL He's a player. Defensive back, I think. No, he is a running back. I should dock you for that. Oh, I'll give you an overtime win for that. No, I I got it right. No, because I know where he went. to You're school. getting a win, to, but I'm to, giving you an overtime win. He went to Minnesota. You had an overtime win. No, also wrong. Okay, now you're Wait, getting. Where did he go? Now you won in quadruple overtime against an FCS opponent. So it was Wait. a win, but it morally it was not. I could have sworn he was a Pittsburgh it. running back. Oh, Pittsburgh. And now he's with the New York Jets. No, I did. I did know that. All right, so uh, four overtime over an FCS opponent. I'm writing that down <laughs> so we can keep that in mind later. Uh, week two, Cabane Lame. Lame? It could be Lame. I'm going with TikToker. It is a TikToker. Hey. 162 million followers on TikTok. What? Yeah. That's insane. All right, week three, you're 2-0. Deslin Alexander, but Alexander is spelled D-R-E. Wait, what? A-L-X, or I'm sorry, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-E. So, so it could like be Alexandre. Alexandre, okay. 
Uh, I don't have a good read on this. I'm going to go football player. He is a football player. He okay, is a defensive end for the New York Jets. There we go. There we go. Are right, you 3-0? Yeah, we're Good cooking. start. Undefeated through the non-con. Now you head into conference play in the American. Brent Rivera. Oh, Brent is a good, like, Gen Z Zoomer <laughs> name. I'm going with TikToker here. Brent Rivera is a TikToker. 47 million Bam. followers. Only 40? Dude, the other guy had 160 million? <laughs> yeah, he's just dominating. All right, four now. This is a great start to the year for you. Uh, Power Fives are starting to be like, has he figured it out? Do, do we need to hire him again after this year? Uh, week five, Cloudin Cherilis. Wait, what? Cloudin Cherilis? So C-L-O-U-D-I-N. Okay. And then the last name is C-H-E-R-E-L-U-S. I have no idea. I don't think that's a football player, though. I'm going TikToker. That is a linebacker for the New York Jets. <laughs> what? Not a linebacker name at all. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's that's brutal. You could have convinced me that's like the name of a kicker. I think if you'd given me, I think if you'd given me like a hundred tries on that, I would have still <laughs> Not guessed get the position. Okay. Well, that's your first loss. Four and one. That's okay. Still having a pretty good year overall. Week okay. six. Willie Salim. Willie, like W I L I or Y? I E. Oh, I E. Mm-hmm. Last name, Celine? Salim. S-A-L-I-M. M is in marshmallow. I'm going TikToker here, too. Willie Salim is a TikToker with 39 million followers. Wow, that dude's trash. Only 39 million? Jeez. You're 5-1. and Good mark through the halfway point of the season. Yep, we're doing good. Week 7, Scott Henzepeter. (laughs) What? Hence-a-Peter. Hence-a-Peter. Can you use use that in a sentence, please? Scott Hence-a-Peter does things. <laughs> so what? A T Z H E N T Z E P E T E R. I think you would think that I would think that this is a <laughs> this is a TikToker. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say football player. This is a TikToker with 38 uh, million followers. Over, over, I over I overthought that one. You did. Well, you started three and zero in the non-con. Good news is you're still five and two, bolstered by that. But bad news, you're only two and two in conference play. So you got to pick it up yeah. if you want to make your conference title game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, week eight. Adam Pankey. That's a football player. Adam Pankey is a football player, and maybe he can have some pancakes because he is a Jets offensive lineman. Yeah, I knew that one. Okay. Uh, you are 6-2 and two now. Can't make the college football playoff as a, a non-Power 5 team, unfortunately, but um, that's okay. Still a lot in front of you here. All right, we got to go fast. Week 9, Max Mitchell. Max Mitchell? Mm-hmm. See, I think you'd think that I'd think that this is a football player, so I'm going to go TikToker here. This is a Jets offensive line. Oh, my God. Week 10, you're 6-3. and three. Caleb Biggers. Oh, that's a football player. He is a football player. Yeah, He's a corner one. for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I knew you're that. You're 7-3. Week 11. Here we go. A.J. Green, the third. <laughs> Wait, A.J. Green's already had two kids? <laughs> or he's already had a kid and that kid had a kid? Common last name. Could be somebody else. I'm going football player. AJ Green the third is a corner on the Cleveland Browns. Go! All right, you're uh, eight and three at this point. Week twelve, Chris Westry. This determines if you make your conference title or not. Mm, I feel like this is a TikToker. TikToker. Chris Westry is a corner for the Cleveland Browns. Oh, what? So you missed your conference title game back to back years. You've <laughs> you've still had two good years. You're making bowl games, but again, like you're not Bro. even going to conference title games in the American. That's not great. Uh, you are eight and four though. You're going to a bowl game. I'm going to, like, what, the Alamo Bowl? Yes. And uh, the question here is Luke Weipler. 
Uh, Luke Weipler. How do you spell that? W-H-I? W- nope. W-Y-P-L-E-R. That changes everything. <laughs> that changes literally everything. TikTok. He is a center for the Cleveland Browns. Dude, there's just not a chance. And just like that, you have driven to eight and Wait, five. No. You are now on a downward spiral in the American. I'm not on a downward spiral. You lost, I won eight games. You went won nine the year before, and this time you lost a bowl game. People aren't upset yet. They they had higher expectations. The UTSA cannot be mad. You're at me. not on the Their hot. Program seat. has only been around for like ten years. You're not on the hot seat, so you don't have to worry about that. But people are starting to be like. We Dude, paid all this money for this guy to be a retread, and I don't know. No, they cannot be mad Another at two me. years of this, you're on the no, hot No, I've had just the two best years right. in program history. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is yeah. uh, NFL preseason Hall of Fame game player or TikTok star. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, RCST Replay with Brian Haney next. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.